Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Thanks so much for joining us this first episode in December. Can you believe it's the last month of the decade? Uh, We're glad you're here. My name is Amy Johnson, your host uh, today, as well as the lead correspondent for the AHL Report. And of course, I'm joined every week by the best co-host in podcast land, uh, the best co-host in the land, Mr. Rick Stevens, the editor-in-chief and founder here at Rocket Sports Media. Well, that would make you the best host in the land, I would I would guess. Wow. You're trying to get on Santa's good list, aren't you? Well, I, I, I have to. I, the, <laughs> the weeks are running out here. So, yeah, I just took a note of the calendar. Nice. And, and as you said, the last one in the decade. Wow. Yeah. What are the 2020s going to be like? What What is the fashions going to be like? What is the music going to be like? Are we going to have flying cars? Are we going to? If it's anything like the 2010s have been, or even the last, I don't know, 24 hours, it's going to be a huge dumpster fire, I think. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm building out my underground um, bunker as we speak, Uh because I'm I'm just going to escape to the wilderness and um, watch the world burn down around me. Well, if you actually believed that... (laughs) Uh, that Twitter was reality, then then I can oh. completely understand. I can completely understand. As I said yesterday, I believe that the Twitter dot coms uh, should come with a Surgeon General's health warning, because I I firmly believe they're bad for your health. Because mm-hmm. I almost I don't know had a meltdown yesterday, but. Uh oh. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that today. Um, we will have a great show for you today. It's a packed show. We've got, uh, of course, we're going to talk about the Laval Rockets, talk about that three game road trip they went on last year. Um, little Birdie told me there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, controversy surrounding some some goaltenders. I, I, huh? I don't know. We'll, we'll probably. A glancing touch on that subject, probably nothing really important there. Uh, We're also going to talk about the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, give you a quick update uh, on them. Uh, Before we go to the second segment around the AHL, we've got the AHL Player of the Week. We've got the AHL Players of the Month. We've got the AHL Ephesius Graduate of the Month. I mean, we've got accolades to hand out left and right, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, the Marlies have a new head coach now that their head coach replaced the recently uh, bounced head coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and we're going to have a special guest in the second segment as well. Uh, that's an interview you don't want to don't, don't want to miss. And of course, in the final segment, we go beyond the AHL. Give you a little update on things happening outside of the American Hockey League, and give you an a preview of the kind of coverage you can expect from the rocket sports team this week. So lots to cover today. Nice. Mm-hmm. So we should, should, we should get started then. Should we? I should say, I should say, cause I think, I think one of our longtime listeners, Kathy is going to be listening to this one. So she'll, she'll give me, she'll give me grief if I don't mention the national day and it's um, the national day. 
of giving. And given that we just uh, finished the pretty successful um, Movember campaign for the um, Rocket Sports team, and I think mm-hmm. actually you can still squeeze in a, a donation if you go to, if you're so inclined and you go to moteam.co slash allhabs, uh, you can make, you can still get a, a donation in. But we want to thank all of our listeners uh, for contributing. Um or just uh, giving us uh, moral support and uh, <laughs> and helping to uh, raise awareness for uh, uh, for that very fine charity. Absolutely, and it fits right in with uh, that special interview that I mentioned we're going to have in the second segment. Uh, it's the National Day of Giving, and uh, as as folks around the AHL know, uh, one of the greatest and most fun charitable initiatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the that the league participates in is each team's annual teddy bear toss, and this week there was a there's a there's a teeny one that happened at uh, the Hershey Bears rink, uh, setting another new world record. And so we're going to have broadcaster Zach Fish on uh, with us from Hershey today to to tell us all about what it's like setting that kind of a world record. So fits in perfectly with the national day today. But before we get to that, Rick, before we get to that, let's first um, go down the highway a bit from Hershey in the in in the easterly direction, about an hour uh, down to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Just wanted to give um, Flyers fans and Phantoms fans just a couple of quick updates. Happy to report uh, the the Phantoms managed to come away from last week's. Um, three games with six out of six points. They won all of their games last week. Um, Actually, no, I take that back. I take that back. Four out of six, four out of six. They did have a little bit of trouble when they went to uh, up, up the turnpike North up to Wilkes-Barre. They did lose that one six to two. However, they then came home, played Wilkes-Barre Friday night again, and then Hartford played on Saturday. They won both of those tilts in overtime. 6-5 Six to five against the Penguins and two to one against the Wolfpack. So, uh, tip of the hat to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, continuing to put points up. Um, Wilkesbury is is actually very competitive this year um, in the Atlantic Division. Providence, uh, the P Bruins have now taken over Hartford for the number one spot in the Atlantic Division, and Wilkesbury is actually in second place right behind them. So, um, Lehigh Valley managing to get a win in overtime against Wilkesbury is a pretty big deal for them. Um, also helped by the fact that Isaac Ratcliffe and Connor Bunneman are back in the lineup from injury. Uh, the Phantoms certainly bitten by the injury bug here of late, uh, not to mention, of course, all of the roster movement with Alain Vigneault uh, constantly uh, calling up and sending down uh, rookie players. So good, good news for Phantoms fans. Bunny and Ratcliffe are back in the lineup. Great to hear uh, others are, are coming along. And Rick also want to mention a, a big congratulations to head coach Scott Gordon. Um, with the victory on Saturday night, that OT victory against the Hartford Wolfpack, um, that gave him 375 AHL wins as a head coach and moves him into sole possession of eighth place overall in AHL history um, for for coach head coaching wins. Um, that's that's a pretty big deal. Um, eighth place 
overall, that's a pretty big deal. And I, and I imagine he's going to continue to rack that up. So stick tap to Scott Gordon. That's something to be proud of. Caught the end of that uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, uh, Hartford, and, and we know Hartford Wolfpack have been uh, very good this year. Caught the end of that game and, and uh, overtime win. It was a great shot by Andy Walensky. Um, mm-hmm. Walensky had a pretty good game, a goal and assist. Uh, Cal O'Reilly, um, uh, who, who is part of that, that new leadership group uh, this year for the Phantoms, his second assist, he assisted on Walensky's um, game-winning goal and also the tying goal by, by Kerry. And, and um, they've put together a, 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 a really interesting roster. We've talked about that leadership group in that, that uh, Scott Gordon, you know, he empowers, uh, not a big fan of that word, but empowers um, his players and his leadership group. And, and um, he's a, a really good coach, a really solid coach. Um, we've spoken before about how, what an effective communicator he is. He's able to break down the game post game um, to the media. And if he explains it that well, to us, you know, he's doing the same thing with his players. And um, of course we saw him um, on an interim basis uh, go behind the flyers bench last year um, when there was uh, the changeover in place. Uh, so um, absolutely a, a, a great coach, a, a good guy. And uh, I'm very happy for Scott Gordon. Absolutely. And uh, hoping that, that things continue uh, trending upwards for the Phantoms. They are currently sitting in fifth place in the Atlantic, um, just one point out of out of fourth place, actually, and with a better winning percentage than the Springfield Thunderbirds, who are currently occupying fourth place. So at the end of the day, that winning percentage is what matters more when it comes to the playoff race. So they're doing okay. Um, see if they can continue getting getting in that win column. Uh, at night after night, and we'll keep you posted on on how that goes. Switching you you mentioned the winning percentage, and and we 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 mentioned it, uh, you know, as we go through. Maybe, Ad nauseum. Uh, it, <laughs> but but, but um, for for NHL fans are, are used to looking at points and and um, and how a team stacks up in their division and and the wild card race and all that sort of thing in the AHL uh, given that, and, and we keep having to remind you that, that um, there's two things. Um, Sometimes some of the the teams get out uh, a little beyond uh, the others in terms of the number of games played. It happens. It's, it's the way the schedules are built in the AHL. The other thing is that built into the pie, some um, teams play fewer games overall uh, the teams in 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 the West um, play fewer games, um, and that's that's part of uh, their agreement in coming into the league and travel costs and all of that sort of thing. But the point is, when you want to look at the standings and you want to have a, an idea of of how your team's doing relative to the other teams in the league, um, select the league uh, tab and then sort by percentage. Um, so in 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 um, current standings, Laval Rocket have played 24 uh, games. They have 27 points. That's ahead of of the Phantoms uh, with uh, 25 points. But if you sort by 
because of the games played and, and all of that, if you sort by um, winning percentage, you have the Rocket at 563. That's good for right the midpoint in the league, 15th overall. The Lehigh Valley Phantoms are one above that at 14th in the league with a winning percentage of 568. So just a tip to, to when we talk about um, winning percentage and, and, and where teams place, that's, that's why we do it. And, um, and it's pretty easy for you to do as well if you want to take a look at the standings. Absolutely. And it's exciting to get, it's, it's great to get excited about the points race. Um, but as Rick says, at the end of the day, that's not what's going to um, determine playoff uh, eligibility and seeding. So ride those stats, you know, make, they make it so easy. You can just sort it right there, on, right there on the website. So be in the know on both sides of it. You mentioned the Laval Rocket. The Laval Rocket is currently in a three-way tie in the points race. Uh, at 27 points with Utica and Belleville. Belleville is on a five-game win streak, folks. They are sitting fourth in the North Division right now on a five-game win streak. They are tearing it up. Alex Formanton, Drake Batherson, um, Aspero, you, they're, they're doing some good things in Belleville, which is significant for Laval since they play Belleville 12 times over the year. And actually, one of those wins that Belleville had came against Laval last Wednesday when Laval visited the Senators and lost 5-3. to three. Uh, Belleville has beaten Laval in every game that they've played so far this season, uh, and that's including during the Rookie Showcase as well, I should mention, um, which was and, – and in preseason, actually. Uh, so Belleville has had Laval's number all year, all year long. Uh, Laval then went to Syracuse on Friday night um, and managed to to snap a bit of another losing skid um, and actually played one of the more decent games that I've seen them play. But really, for me, uh, what stood out in that game was the netminder. Charlie Lindgren was in net, and I'm telling you, he stole that game for them. Uh, Laval has not won in Syracuse since March of 2018. It's a very difficult building to play in. Uh, The Syracuse Crunch bring a very tough, very physical, very – uh, quick and hard forechecking uh, style of hockey that it, for whatever reason, um, the, the Canadians AHL affiliate uh, always seems to struggle against. Um, Charlie Lindgren was lights out that night. Uh, he, he faced uh, 28 shots, made 26 saves. Um, and, and quite frankly, had he not been in net, it could have been a lot worse. Um so kudos to Charlie Lindgren. And we're going to talk more about that uh, coming up here shortly. But then they turned around. They went to Springfield the next night. And uh, the wheels came off once again. Uh, it was it was kind of close for a little while. Um, Springfield only up by a, by a goal or two. But then and, – and Laval able to, to battle back in the third period, potted another couple of goals. But eventually uh, Springfield bested them 6-3. to three. Um, and once again, the penalty kill, that penalty kill that was number one in the league for so many weeks for Laval uh, is really slipping uh, in, in the standings. Um, they're, they're really 
they're really struggling uh, with the penalty kill so far. So uh, at least in the last, in the last few weeks, in fact, they are down to 10th in the league. Uh, so they've dropped 10 places uh, on the penalty kill. Uh, so Rick, it was not, uh, wasn't the prettiest of weeks for Laval. Noah Juleson uh, in t- and out of the line. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say you talk about the, the the penalty kill and and not to focus on that, but it's kind of a it's kind of symptomatic of of what's happening with the team as a whole. And and um, let's acknowledge the fact that there's an awful lot of I, I mean, folks always point to the the dollar value of. Uh, um, the amount of cap um, that's in the AHL for the Montreal Canadiens. But there's an awful lot of NHL experience uh, as well. And um, with Joel Bouchard uh, leaning heavily on his NHL um, experience talent to kill penalties, um, they, they absolutely were, were, um, um, you know, right out of the gate were, were very good in that particular aspect of the game. Um, but some injuries have, have happened, um, and, uh, and, and both to, to the rocket and to, uh, Montreal. So there's been some call-ups as well. And, and when you're putting AHL talent versus AHL talent, then it is, you know, the, um, the balance comes back to the middle and, and that's what's, that's what's been happening with the, um, with the penalty kill and, and overall in, in Laval's game um, for the last uh, couple of weeks, I would say. Absolutely. Uh, Xavier, well, that's been out with injury uh, for, for a little while. Um, Noah Juleson, only played one game of those three last week. He actually didn't travel with the team to Belleville, uh, needed to go see the specialist again regarding his headaches, wasn't feeling well. Um, they told everyone that it was uh, just precautionary. He then rejoined the team in Syracuse. He did play in that game against Syracuse on Friday night. Um, he was a plus one on the night. And then the next day, they get to Springfield. Jolson's not feeling well again. He's back out of the lineup. And according to Anthony Marcotte, after practice uh, either yesterday or today, it looks like they're going to hold Jolson out for the remainder of this week. There are three games on the schedule this week. um, And as a precautionary measure, until they can, I guess, figure out what's going on with his headaches, they are going to uh, keep him out of play this week. So that is not good news for Noah Jolson. Um, getting a little bit concerned for his health. I'm uh, hoping, hoping that they find something there for, you know, Flyers fans. This is a familiar topic for Flyers fans right now, because Nolan Patrick has been sidelined with the headache issue all season. However, the big difference there is Noah Juleson's. This is coming from, from that, the orbital fracture, taking two pucks to the face, so this is this is still recovering from injuries, whereas Nolan Patrick, this is a it's a condition that he's dealt with his whole life. So um, their prognoses and their uh, recovery paths might look a little similar, but they're actually very different because of of the the genesis and the and the source of where the headaches are coming from. So Rick, we're we're just keeping our fingers crossed that Noah Jolson gets healthy here really soon. For sure, um, he's. He's a, 
a quality prospect uh, for the Canadians. He's a great guy. Um, he he could be contributing uh, to the Canadians' blue line uh, already, um, and we just want to see him be able to um, uh, re- get back on track and and uh, get back on that path to um, fulfill his dream. Absolutely. Should mention that uh, also the report out of Laval after practice today uh, was that it's looking like Belleville and Ouellette will be back in the lineup tomorrow night. Um, which, of course, you know, some are whew, sigh of relief because we're getting so decimated by all of these injuries and call-ups. Um, they were also with uh, oh, uh, one other thing that was uh, interesting. I don't I don't know that he'll be ready to come into the lineup, but I imagine they'll want some more practices. But Evan McEnany, the new PTO defenseman who was recently signed, uh, skated. In a regular jersey, not a non-contact jersey today. So uh, it looks like he may be coming into the lineup sooner rather than later. Does that happen this week? We don't know yet, but we'll be sure to to keep everyone apprised of that. Um, the only other person who was missing from practice today was assistant coach Alex Burrows, uh, who is in Vancouver tonight. He's having his name put in the ring of honor with the Canucks. So, um Congratulations to him on that. Uh, I imagine he'll be back for tomorrow night's game. So with all that being said, there's a little bit, little bit of, you know, if you, if you managed to wade into social media yesterday, Hab's Twitter was a dumpster fire, uh, as is usually the case when there's drama, and particularly these last few weeks, uh, with the Canadians now on an eight-game losing streak, um, and yes, even if even if they lose in overtime or a shutout or a shootout, that still means that they lost. Just in case anybody needed that clarification. Um, and so, what's what's the big move? What's going to happen? Is it is it coaching? Is it are we going to fix the holes in defense on the roster? Or you know. Um, is it, is it the G what's, what's going to be the thing that's going to be done to help snap this skid and, and rate the ship and get, and get the Canadians going? Well, it turns out the answer is to waive the backup goaltender, Keith Kincaid, who we now know cleared waivers, uh, and ha and will be reporting to Laval and in his place recall, no, if you if you were about to finish my sentence and say, well, Charlie Lindgren, right? Because he's got NHL experience. He's performed well at the NHL level. Uh, he's a proven, consistent, solid gold. No, you'd be wrong. They called up Caden Primo, the 20-year-old who has 12 professional games on his resume. So, Rick... <laughs> Where do we begin? Um, do do we begin with what it means by calling up Primo over choosing Lindgren? Do we do we begin with why Lindgren would have been the more rational, logical choice? Do we begin with you know Caden Primo is a very talented goaltender, but there are just so many places that we could start with our interpretation of of the chain of events that have happened in the last 24 hours, what for you is, is the starting point? What, where, where should we focus our attention first? 
Well, I think trying to explain this, uh, and I've heard, I've, I've heard it all, <laughs> uh-huh. um, uh, whether it be texts I've received, whether it's uh, Facebook, whether it's Twitter, whether I've heard it all. Um, and there, there is no explanation um, that, that fits, uh, that this move could be a hockey decision. Um, there, it, it, it just, it, it, it breaks down too quickly and too easily. Um, you're right in saying, I mean, the, the Canadians have lost eight straight games. Um, hasn't happened. I, I, you know, it, this is, this is not just a, a minor blip. It hasn't happened in 79 years. Uh, so this is, and I understand, yes, if you, if you uh, parse it a couple of different ways and you include ties and you, you insert this and insert that it, it happened in 2003 or what, but, but as, as far as, as, as this magnitude, all losses um, hasn't happened for, let's say a long time. Um, so it's significant. And to do that, um, you know, calling up a, 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 somebody from Laval, calling up a Matthew Pekka so that he can play in, in place of Charles Houdon, um, is not going to move the needle as far as Canadian fans. They were upset Mm-mm. and and rightly so. Um, so what would have moved the needle? It would have been um, a trade. Now, Mark Bergevin has kind of backed himself into a corner by being completely uh, absent all all summer and failing to uh, add the pieces, the 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 two. Uh, defenseman on the left side, a, 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 a scorer uh, in the top six. Uh, he didn't do that, and so so now he's it's it's more difficult to do during the season. What else would have moved the needle? Well, uh, firing the coach, and it seems um, there are uh, the, the coach isn't the primary uh, problem right now, but there are reasons the way he his his inability to to um, improve the penalty kill his his treatment of younger players, uh, the fact that he says that, that the team is not listening to his solutions or trusting those solutions. Uh, so that would have moved the needle. Or, you know, um, a f- outright firing of Mark Bergevin, who has failed over the past eight years. Um, mm-hmm. but, but that's a difficult thing to do. So um, uh, the, the, the big shiny prospect, the big, uh, the big Christmas bobble uh, in Laval <laughs> is is Caden Primo. Um, right. and that's the only way they could turn the conversation and if, and and effectively uh the Canadians have um it's all been about whether, whether you whether you support the decision whether you um are are against the decision all the discussion has been about uh Caden Primo. Um mm-hmm. and and it completely derailed all of the the anti well not not all of it but but the the losing streak and the and the um, criticism of the coaching staff and and the management uh, of this team so um, it is a marketing message do you a marketing decision um, a marketing move um, you don't believe me that the Canadians do that <laughs> look look at the 2009 draft. And how they wasted a, dra- uh, a, a first round pick uh, on everybody knew that that he didn't have the work ethic, 
but the Canadians did it for the moment in choosing Louis LeBlanc. Uh, look at the, the Blake Jeffrey on trade so that they could write about uh, the, the, the connections there, uh, giving up a first round pick um, um, that was offered by, by Nashville. It's uh, the Canadians have done it time and time and time again. And when you look at, uh, is this a marketing thing? The first thing after they announced it, the Canadians on their Twitter um, ran a video of uh, Caden Primo making a save in the preseason and Carey Price's reaction on the bench. That's um, right. So you, you look at all of these things, and yes, it, it was a, 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 a move to, to change the conversation. Um, but I'm told that, that, that Caden Primo is a better goalie in, in Lavelle. Uh, first of all, um, sending uh, Keith Kincaid down, uh, Keith Kincaid uh, has not been good. And, and we forecast that pretty loudly, that he wasn't going to be very good and that Charlie Lindgren um, has been the better option as a backup for the past two years. He was better than Niemi and, and a better option than, than uh, Kincaid this past year. But still, the Canadians went ahead and signed him Talk about bad contracts. Uh, Matthew Becca has one. Keith Kincaid has another. Uh, the Canadians mm-hmm. paid $1.75 million for their backup. That's a bad contract, particularly him getting all into uh, five games this season. So he has not been a factor. Yes, he hasn't played well, but he isn't um, a solution. Um, uh, sending him down isn't, isn't a solution. Um, and bringing up. Um, Caden Primo is, 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 is not a solution either. Um, listen, Caden Primo had a great start and he's going to be a very good, very good goaltender. Um, uh, at least that's his, that's his trajectory. Uh, Mm -hmm. but 12 games, 12 pro games, uh, and he had, had a good start to the season, but you know, let's be honest, Caden Primo has struggled, struggled badly in four out of the last five starts. Uh, he's given up 19 goals in in four in those four starts where he struggled, almost five goals a game, going through a rough patch as yeah. you expect. But let him go through that rough patch in the AHL. And Charlie Lindgren has been, as you've said, uh, the goaltender who's been better and as well has the NHL experience to be able to slide right in. Uh, but of, of course, Charlie Lindgren wouldn't move the needle, wouldn't change the conversation. Uh, like Caden Primo has, and that's what this is all about. Well, it is, you know, and it's, I, I think what's really frustrating is there are some Habs fans, thanks be to heaven, who, who on social media, I'm seeing uh, there is, there are some Habs fans that are, are thinking about things, not in, in more of a reasoned manner. And Saul more than a handful of people yesterday saying, um, I don't know that we want to bring Caden Primo up into the, into this mess. And, and well, yeah, you could bring Charlie Lindgren up. That would be okay. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, like maybe, maybe, maybe some people are actually starting to think more rationally about this, but then you, you, it swings hard to the other side of the pendulum um, because yes. Oh, this is the exciting new thing in fact i saw i saw a meme on twitter uh at some point today where it's just habs fans and they get dangled with 
um, Ryan Paling in front of them, and they're all excited about that. And then suddenly Ryan Paling's on the outside looking in when Nick Suzuki is dangled in front of the Habs fans, and he's the new shiny bauble, as as you were mentioning. And then Nick Suzuki and Ryan Paling are on the outside looking in when Caden Primo is the new shiny bauble that's, that's held up and, and – there's a pattern here, folks, um, and, and we are not against young athletes playing at the NHL level if they are ready to play at the NHL level. I have had no qualms with Nick Suzuki being in the lineup this season. He's had his games where he's struggled. Yes, that's to be expected. He's a rookie. He's, this is his first professional season, and he's playing it in the NHL, but he's, he's learning and and seems to be responding well to it. No problems with him being there. I would prefer to see Ryan Paling in the NHL right now. Another young uh, athlete, uh, Jesperi Kakinemi. I agree with him being in the lineup. Um, so this isn't about, oh, well, you don't want the, the young guys to play. Not what this is about at all. Understand, goaltenders are a different breed. Their personalities are different. The way they think the game is different. The way they prep for games is different. Their, their mental game is much different. And their development is a whole lot different. It's a whole lot slower. Um, and you ask any goaltender that, and, and they will tell you that. Uh, any, any goaltender who's played professionally will tell you goaltenders develop differently and typically more slowly. Um, so Caden Primo has, yeah, he had a hot start. Part of it was, we've talked about this in the past, part of it was the luck of the draw since it's not that Joel Bouchard, that he got hot and stayed hot and Joel Bouchard was riding a hot hand. Not the case. Uh, from the beginning of the season, he and Charlie Lindgren have alternated one game on, one game off, one game on. There is no starter in Laval. There is no designated starting goaltender, backup goaltender. They are an equal tandem. So Caden Primo, in some cases, played brilliantly. In other cases, it was a night that the team bailed him out. For Charlie Lindgren, who... As Rick was mentioning, Primo has struggled in his last four or five games. Charlie Lindgren, on the other hand, has been steadily getting even more solid. In fact, as I said, Friday night in Syracuse, Charlie Lindgren stole that game for them. Absolutely, hands down. And and Bouchard even said after the game, he was the he you know he was the player for them that night. Um, their stats aren't that far apart for the year. So, so the converse of what's perhaps a little bit of the shine about Primo is the exact opposite look for, for Charlie Lindgren, where um, a lot of times on a night that they should have won, maybe the team didn't play so well in front of him. It's, it's not. And, and yes, of course, there's been goals for both of them that they probably want back. Uh, no goaltender will tell you that they're perfect every single, every single time. Um, but, the moral of the story, and it's something that we have preached constantly, is that statistics don't tell the full story. You have to look at the context. You have to look at how ready to be put into this situation is each goaltender. Charlie Lindgren 
has, I mean, we've been saying that Niemi shouldn't have been re-signed and Charlie Lindgren should have been prices back up two seasons ago um, because he had proven that he was ready for the NHL and he's still stuck in the AHL. Um, so Charlie Lindgren is, has, has a proven track record. He has played very well and very confidently at the NHL level. Um, he has been consistent at the AHL level. He is, he, many people liken his calmness in the crease to Price's demeanor in the crease. And that is a gigantic compliment and exactly what you need in Montreal right now. If, if everyone remembers the big controversy or the big inflammatory statement that Carey Price made over the summer was that he wants to win now. He doesn't want to babysit. Well, do you think he's, I think, who do you think he's going to be babysitting more, Caden Primo or Charlie Lindgren? Charlie's been there. Charlie knows what to do. Caden this is go- as I said on Twitter the other day. I hope the kid. I hope somebody bought him a pair of blinders and a set of earplugs, so that he can completely block out the entire noise of the circus that he's about to be dropped into today. Um, can Caden Primo step up and and play lights out for a game or two? It's it's possible. He's got the talent, and and if he's and if he's able to corral the nerves and the excitement and the mental game, he might be able to do it. But is this really the most optimal choice for a rookie goaltender's development? And what are you telling Charlie Lindgren? Well, you keep putting in the work for us, Charlie. But when push comes to shove, we're going to pull up. We're, we're going we're gonna to make the, the, the popular decision instead of the rational hockey decision. And we're going to call up Caden Primo because he's the bright, shiny new bubble. Um, I just, I take, I take issue with this decision on so many different levels for so many different reasons. Um, And, and if, if Montreal was serious about wanting to win and, and keep things on an even keel, they would have called up Charlie Lindgren. Caden Primo I wish him well. I hope he performs well, and I hope he goes back to Laval all in one piece. But it's just not the choice I would have made. Yeah, and and I don't, I I, I don't think it's even um, you know, um, this isn't Charlie Lindgren versus Caden Primo. This is no the 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 organization has put it in in those terms. It's not mm-hmm. it's not our point here, and and I I. Um, not only hope or or think it's possible. I expect Caden Primo is a very um, competitive guy, and mm-hmm. he has the athletic talent um, to be able to uh, just put on a spectacular show. And I mean, it's going to probably going to be against the the Rangers. Um, um, we remember the Canadians, uh, losing, um, in that, in that massive comeback to the Rangers, but the Rangers aren't going to be, a um, aren't going to be a playoff team, or at least, uh, that wasn't the expectation when the, the season began. And so I expect him to have a really good game, but regardless of if he is lights out or gets lit up, I still think it's the wrong decision. Um, yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter how he performs. 
uh, it's still the wrong decision. And it's the wrong decision because the Canadians don't need to be doing this. Uh, they don't need to be aggressively rushing uh, a 20-year-old into the net, uh, a 20-year-old who, who has just 12 games of pro experience, a 20-year-old who was a seventh-round draft choice. And there, yes, the Canadians um, uh, saw a diamond in the rough, but there was, there was genuine reasons why he was a seventh-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, all of the, the, the reasons you're going to hear are, are going to break down pretty quickly. Keith Kincaid needing, needing to, uh, he hasn't played enough, so he needs to play a lot of games. And so that's why we're sending him to, to Lavelle. Um, Joel Bouchard has said his rotation is not going to change nope. uh, with, with this goalie change. It's still going to be. Uh, alternating between now Lindgren and and Kincaid. So at most over the two weeks, that's maximum for uh, that that we expect that this is going to run. Um, it's going to be three starts for Keith Kincaid. Now that's probably one more than he would have gotten um, with the Canadians. Um, so is that a lot of work? Is that is you know can he find his his game, he's going to find his game at the AHL level. Um, and you've just separated your backup goaltender from a, 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 supposedly the best goaltender coach in the entire world in Stefan right. Waite. And, and this, is, this is not a knock on Mar- Marco Marci- Marciano, who I adore. No. Uh, and and would, would argue s- strenuously that he should be an NHL goaltending coach. Uh, mm-hmm. But Stefan Wade has worked with Keith Kincaid um, since since the start of the season, and if if anyone knows what's what's ailing, what's what's his problem is, Stefan Wade does. Uh, so th- that 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 whole excuse just breaks down completely. Um, the other part of this is is Claude Julian and saying. Oh, listen, um, you know, let's, let's throw out some names of, of goaltenders who have been successful um, and, and compare it. You know, if you're going to mention to me uh, Patrick Waugh, uh, that was 35 <laughs> years ago, why not, why not mention uh, Ken Dryden 50 years ago? Uh, those, those comparisons just don't apply because the, the game is different. Development is different. Everything's different. So let's not get into that. Um, so he mentioned Carter Hart and Carter Hart getting called up last year. It's, it's, as I said on, on Twitter, um, at that point, the goaltending situation in Philadelphia was desperate, was absolutely desperate. And at the time, you had a great, you had a, a general manager uh, change uh, in the middle of the season. Boy, uh, I right. thought that never happened. Um, mm. So you had, and you had uh, Comcast breathing fire saying they wanted results now. Um, and, and so he was brought into a tough situation. He wasn't doing very well in the AHL at the time. He had very limited experience in the AHL and he came in and he thrived under the pressure and he was pretty good. But what was different about that? Well, one of the things that was different is that he had his AHL coach right there beside him as Scott Gordon was also called up. And you know what, Scott Gordon, that we were talking about, a pretty good coach uh, earlier, he's also a goaltender, a former, right. a former pro goaltender. So that certainly helps. 
Um, but still, all in all, do we want to be following the 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 the, the <laughs> template of the Philadelphia Flyers who have had their their struggles with goaltenders, and and did it really help Carter Hart? You look at um, Carter Hart uh, this season. And towards the end of October, I was seeing all kinds of headlines. What happened to Carter Hart? Carter Hart's um, game has fallen off a cliff. Uh, there was games where he was pulled twice in three games. Over the three games uh, stretch, his goals against was in the neighborhood of six. Um, he sat on the bench for uh, a while in October because his play, he went 0-3-1 and, and, and his play was bad. Um, he gave up five goals on 14 shots against the Islanders. And everybody said, what's wrong with Carter Hart? And maybe it was because he was rushed. And maybe when things started to turn bad, he didn't have that experience of going through a tough patch in the AHL. Maybe that was the issue. And listen, Carter Hart's going, and Carter Hart was a second, second round pick. I mean, he's, he's, um, you know, a higher rated prospect than, than Primo. But um, and, and the other name that, that Julian threw out um, was Bennington, and that's just that's just asinine. Well, that's yeah. Julian knows better than that. Julian is is smarter than that, and you can tell why this is a marketing decision because the people who know hockey can't even justify it themselves. Jordan Bennington was 25 years old, and he had spent six years in the AHL. Uh, parts of years in the AHL uh, b- before he was brought into that situation. So there's no comparison there is at, at all. Um, this is, this is the, the reasons we're hearing are just absolutely ludicrous, uh, which I don't like seeing prospects put in that situation. I don't uh-uh. like seeing prospects uh, pushed into situations uh, before they've earned them and before they're prepared and, and have some experience uh, for them. Um, I, and, 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 and you mentioned the, uh, you know, Charlie Lindgren, you, you got to also feel for, for Charlie Lindgren. Um, he's upset. He's, he's a competitive player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that uh, the Kincaid demotion was unexpected, but you, but like all of, of, of Twitter, uh, and even like the 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 locker room of the Montreal Canadiens that was completely shocked uh, by this move, you you gotta think that Charlie Lindgren was really surprised uh, and was you know uh, said he was hoping for a shot. Absolutely, I, I am gonna I'm gonna back up a couple of things that you just said, uh, support a couple of things that you just said. Um, the first is 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 the development process for Caden Primo. And I mentioned this on Twitter yesterday, you know, please do not assume. Um, I, we, I feel like we always have to, to kind of qualify some of our, when, when we're, when we're critical of a, the coach and, and or GM's decisions about certain players, it's not because we are bashing that player or against that player or not supportive of that player. Couldn't be the opposite in Caden, Caden Primo's place. Um, I, I feel that he's going to be an excellent goaltender down the road. Like I said, he's had some brilliant moments already in his, in his very short pro tenure with Laval, but he needs time. Um, and so I'm not bashing him. I'm bashing. I, I am, I am against the decision to call him up already. 
as Rick, you were just saying, I'm protective of the development process. Um, yes, there is a very good likelihood that things could go perfectly fine for Caden Primo in what could be a very short call-up and everything would be hunky-dory and we can all just go back to normal. That's possible. That's At this point, my fingers are crossed that's what's going to happen. Because we don't want to see any setbacks. You mentioned Carter Hart. And absolutely, being someone who's who's grown up uh, in, in, in the Philadelphia area, uh, no, uh, Claude Julian should not be looking towards the decisions that the Flyers make about goaltenders as, as, as his barometer. <laughs> um, they, and as you mentioned, I want, I, you, you said that you had, had mentioned something about this on Twitter yesterday. Your, your tweet was that the path for Hart has not, for Carter Hart, has not been how the Flyers would have drawn it up. No question he was rushed. No question he's had considerable setbacks. But the point is, the Habs are not in the same desperate situation Philly was. People, how short is the hockey memory? Carter Hart had to be called up because they went through a record number of goaltenders last season. He wasn't the first call up. He wasn't the second solution or the third or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth. He was like the seventh or eighth solution. He was the de- look up the word desperate in the dictionary and flyers management in that situation would be pictured underneath of it last year. They were in a desperate situation and they said, okay, we've got this kid who's supposed to be the next big thing. We have to give him a shot. And it happened to work out. If you don't want to take Rick's word for that or my word for that matter, what do then, I know then about take- the flyers, right? Sure. I actually, you, you know plenty about the Flyers, but, but okay, let's play devil's advocate. Well, then take this from, from our friend and colleague, Anthony Mangione, who is one of the, uh, the full-time uh, reporters who, who covers the Philadelphia Flyers. Completely, this wasn't him jumping into your conversation. This was just a tweet that I saw of his later in the evening yesterday of his own take on what's happening. And his tweet says, quote, Knee-jerk reaction to Caden Primo's Canadians recall would be to point to the Flyers bringing up Carter Hart last season and saying, hey, that worked. Notice he said knee-jerk reaction would be to to assimilate, to, to compare the Carter Hart call-up with the Caden Primo. Claude, Julian, maybe you should read Twitter once in a while. He goes on to say, reality would tell you that the Flyers were so riddled with goalie injuries that the circumstances aren't close to being comparable. Absolutely. So there you have it right from someone who covers the Flyers full time that first of all, to compare the two is ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. And that, yes, just as you said, Rick, it was a desperate situation. Um, He's saying he's saying the same thing. Uh, that it was, I mean, we're talking, <laughs> it, it was the, the list of what goaltender hadn't played in Philly last year was shorter than the list of goaltenders. I, I mean, it was just a constant revolving door. Um, all that being said, I, you know, we don't want to be negative, Nancy. We really don't. Um, I, I just completely... It's sad to me. Um, 
yesterday when the news came out that Kincaid was going to be placed on waivers. Of course, then everyone had five hours to speculate. Is it going to be Lindgren? Is it going to be Primo? Is it going to be Lindgren? Is it going to be Primo? And and Ricky and I talked about it in depth over the afternoon. And, and ob- first choice, obviously, Charlie Lindgren. Um, but how much you want to bet they're going to pull the stunt that they're going to call a primo? We that was that was that was the speculation yesterday afternoon. Uh, we talked, we've talked in the last 24 hours with with a, a, a member of uh, the hockey industry, uh, a very sound mind in the in the industry, uh, and the first word out of his mouth about the situation was, "Oh, I see they're rushing things." Um, you know, it's, we just hope for the best here. Um, and I, I, like you say, I feel for Charlie Lindgren. And just one, uh, final point. Um, I think what, what folks are, are, are suggesting is that the worst case scenario, um, is that Caden Primo gets lit up. Um, I don't, I don't think that's the, the worst case scenario. And, and, um, like I said, it, I, I, I think he's going to do well, but that isn't, even if he does well, that isn't, that doesn't, uh, translate to, it was the right decision. The worst case scenario, uh, for Caden Primo is if he stays, if he stays mm-hmm. as the backup for the rest of the season, that is the worst case scenario for his development. Absolutely. Um, he needs time in the AHL. He needs a lot of it. Um, and I'm hoping for his sake that that's what he gets. Um, I really do. I love Carter Hart's story. Um, but Carter Hart's story is a very, very rare and unique one. Um, and I don't want to see that experiment tried in Montreal. So we'll table that discussion for now. I'm sure next week's podcast, uh, once we see the fallout of how this decision uh, shakes out this week between Laval and, and the Canadians, I'm sure we'll have plenty more to say on this topic come next Tuesday. So we'll put the pause. Uh, we'll just hit the pause button on this conversation because we'll pick it up for sure next week. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go around the AHL and give you some news from around the American Hockey League. So don't go anywhere. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to ahl.report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. 
Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Uh, don't forget, you can always find us on Twitter if you'd like to jump in on this conversation about the goaltending controversy in Montreal, in the current state of the Habs or the Laval Rocket, or the Lehigh Valley Phantoms or Philadelphia Flyers. If you'd like your voice to be heard and, and join our conversation, be sure to find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Uh, we love to hear from our, our listeners and readers all week long. So, uh, so don't be shy. Reach out to us on social media. Uh, of course, Rick, we did mention it's the first Tuesday of the month. Hard to believe it's December already, but that means that in addition to the player of the week for the AHL, we've got lots of other accolades to hand out uh, from the American Hockey League. The first one I, I, I have a feeling I'm not going to spend too much time on. Um, much to the chagrin of Habs fans, I'm sure. Uh, not only have the Boston Bruins uh, defeated them twice in the last week, but they're also uh, just uh, doing pretty well in the standings overall in the league. Uh, so it should not come to a surprise that the Ephesius AHL graduate of the month of a player who used to play in the AHL and is now in the NHL is none other than Brad Marchand. Uh, with 11 goals and 11 assists in 14 games last month. And that's all I'm going to say about that, because I don't want Hams fans to start throwing things at their speakers. Uh, so we'll just, we'll just very briefly mention that. However, uh, there is an AHL player of the week. Uh, the, we've, Rick, we've been mentioning uh, what, a, what a streak and what a tear the Milwaukee Admirals have been on. Um, they are just going crazy they are now at a 13 game winning streak 13 they are 17 3 1 and 2 on the season uh with 23 games played they are just tearing it up in the central division and uh one of their forwards Yakov Trenin has been selected as the CCM AHL player of the week in three games last week Trenin had five goals seven points and uh, that 13-game win streak is a franchise record. So uh, congratulations to Yakov Trenin and the Milwaukee Admirals. Um, man, they are just they're doing they're doing all the right things right now and uh, being noticed for it. Admirals uh, a bit like the Checkers last year, who start yeah. to finish were uh, the top team, and and uh, the Admirals are kind of taking a page out of that book and uh, on an incredible run. Absolutely. Um, in fact, as we move to our next category of awards, which are the monthly award winners for November, uh, they also have an award winner in this category for the rookie of the month. Uh, Tommy forward, Tommy Novak in his 12 games played in his rookie season He's uh, already tally well for last month. Tallied three goals and ten assists for thirteen points. Uh, so congratulations to him. My goodness. Um, and all of those games were were wins for Milwaukee. Uh, his first pro goal was scored as part of a four point night for the young forward. Um, that was a six to four victory over the Manitoba Moose. Um, Jansen Harkins uh, from the those very Manitoba Moose is the player of the month. He had he managed to rack up 24 points in 15 games. He had four goals, 20 assists, and uh, was on the score sheet for all but one game last month uh, as the as the Moose went 11-4-0-0 oh, oh, uh, for November. So um, Manitoba also has some firepower on the roster. 
Um, and this is a name you're probably going to hear plenty of. The CCM AHL goaltender of the month is none other than Wilkes-Barre Scranton's uh, Casey DeSmith, who in the month went 7-1-0 with a 1.6 goals against and a 9.51 save percentage. Oh, and did I mention he had two shutouts in the month as well? Uh, we talked about in the last segment how the Penguins have, have shot up to second place in the Atlantic Division, and I'm going to bet that uh, Rick Casey DeSmith is probably a, a pretty one of the one of the reasons that they've been so successful. Casey DeSmith, uh, an NHL caliber goaltender who, because of the situation um, with the Penguins, is um, the the Wilkes-Barre Scranton folks have the very good fortune of seeing him on a regular basis. So congratulations to uh, to all of those award winners from the American League for this month. Uh, great to see so much success happening around the league. Uh, that that central division, um, while the north division seems to be a, a very very competitive this year, um, the central divisions really got some some teams and some players to keep an eye on uh, that are that are really making making waves and making some noise around the league. Uh, speaking of making waves and making noise around the league, of course everyone knows that there was a very fiery. Uh, surprising exit of Mike Babcock from the Toronto Maple Leafs last week uh, and uh, Sheldon Keefe, who they have been priming for quite some time uh, to eventually take over as the head coach for the Leafs, uh, got an early promotion and uh, has now signed, I believe, a three-year contract with Toronto. Uh, So he will be the new bench boss uh, in Toronto, leaving a vacancy for the Marlies. Um, interestingly enough, Rick, they didn't promote from within, but instead they went out and they hired Greg Moore from the USHL's Chicago Steel. Um, we talked about this a little bit. It was it was interesting that they went in this direction. Um, it, he's a guy that's uh, you know had a pretty successful career uh, coaching Chicago in the USHL. He's also uh, a veteran of the AHL playing with the Wolfpack, the Sound Tigers, the Crunch, the Springfield Falcons, and the Adirondack Phantoms during his 10-year pro career. Um, But this will be an interesting change in coaching, um, not bringing someone with AHL experience and not bringing someone within the organization. It is an interesting approach, and I think um, the Leafs fans are looking at this uh, a bit with bated breath, but this is all, this makes sense from a Kyle Dubas uh, perspective. He has a philosophy, has uh, some would say a rather unique philosophy. Um, That philosophy hasn't uh, necessarily been tested. Um, You know, he, he came into the position um, without experience and, and um, without uh, NHL experience as per se. And, and, um, and you see that, that uh, the longtime hockey people, whether it's Babcock or Lamorello or Hunter or Jacques Lemaire, all of those people have been, have been shown the door or, or, or quietly escorted. And, um, and, and he's building something different. He has a, uh, his take on it and, um, and we'll see how it works. Absolutely. And, and best of luck to them. You know, Toronto is still uh, doing very well. They're sitting at the top of the North division right now, uh, three points ahead of Rochester. So um, they're continuing with a, with a fantastic 786 uh, 
winning percentage. So they're uh, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. We'll see how things go under under the new tutelage of of Coach Moore um, now that Sheldon Keefe is uh, up in up with the big club. Well, I'm happy to say that we are joined uh, right now by a very special return guest from the Press Box. Uh, a big welcome to Hershey Bears broadcaster and manager of media relations, Zach Fish. Zach, thanks so much for being with us again today. Always a pleasure. We are uh, digging out of mountains and mountains of teddy bears here in Chocolate Town, <laughs> USA. Well, you know, obviously, I think anyone who's uh, even peeked in on social media or on the web, uh, anything related to hockey this week has noticed that there was an absolute avalanche of stuffed animals flying at the Giant Center earlier this week. And last year, we thought you hit big numbers, right? You were in the, the 30,000s last year, correct? Yeah, 34,000 last year, a new world record, which was crazy. And this year, holy cow, even bigger. So 45,650 teddy bears and stuffed animals hit hit the ice uh, at Giant Center this week. Can you describe, uh, it, most folks have probably seen the video, but Zach, can you describe what it's like in the building for a moment like that with that much fur flying, for, for lack of a better oh, word? Sounds- unbelievable yeah it's it's fur it's plush it's it's mania and it's five ten minutes probably even more than that of raining teddy bears and i have a bird's eye view being up on the fifth floor press row all the way up you know it, it looks like a thunderstorm just pops out of nowhere and it's just pelting down with all sorts of different stuffed animals and fur flying everywhere it's it's mayhem in the best way possible and if you're down low, you're going to be getting hit by teddy bears, and you're going to have to help other people out that didn't make it onto the ice from the 200 level and chuck them onto the ice. You certainly get your workout, and people are bringing in trash bags of teddy bears. I mean, 45,650, and we had a little over 10,000 fans there. I mean, that just shows how many different bears were brought by people and different stuffed animals. It's, it's something that's really caught fire. I mean, 10 years ago, we had 6,000 bears. Um, and, wow. and not that's the problem, and, and some other teams still get that. That all goes mm-hmm. six six thousand kids right there with smiles on their face. But you know, it's only fitting that a team named the Bears be the Teddy Bear Toss King. Um, so that's something that our fans are taking a lot of pride in and beating the Calgary Hitmen now for a couple years in a row. And it's a friendly competition because nice. it's all going to a great cause for kids in need. But yeah, I have to encourage anyone if you are near the Hershey area. If you're able to get to Hershey, Pennsylvania for the Teddy Bear Toss game, don't do it. Don't miss out on your opportunity to do it because it is even crazier in person. The videos do it justice a bit, but in person, it is just absolutely ridiculous in the best way possible. And you'll be shocked how many different teddy bears there are, and you're right in the mix. It, it really is something that we we're very proud of, and it is a marquee event that we circle on our calendars every year. I, I think that Rocket Sports is going to be circling that on our calendar for next year. For uh, sure. Uh, for sure. Let's do it. Uh, you mentioned that folks down in the lower level are going to probably be pelted, you know, from, from people tossing from the, the 200 level that might not be able to reach the ice. But uh, as video evidence shows, they might also be getting pelted by a certain broadcaster chucking at least <laughs> 25 of them from the press box, if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I had a big trash bag full of them this year. In the past, I brought I brought maybe, you know, 
five or so, and I've tried to go out and purchase ones that have a little bit more weight to them. Like I try to avoid anything with a battery pack like that. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want dangerous, but something that's more in the shape of a ball or circular just so you can throw it because we're a long way away from up there, and it's a little sure. bit of fun to try to get them out on the ice. This year I went with uh, quantity over quality, I suppose, ah. as far as trying to get them on the ice. I just had a big bag full of a bunch of them. So we fired away. Everybody kind of throws theirs and then turns around, and it's almost like a big assembly line passing them out onto the ice. But, <laughs> you know, what? it's such a fun event. Why not have a good time with it um, and get involved? Uh, and I love being able to give back to the kids. They go to about 40 local charities. And someone chirped me a little bit. Actually, we, we get all the national coverage on this, which is really fun to track. And there was sure. a sports talk show in L.A. on radio that talked about it. And they played the clip of my goal call, and the guy talked about the teddy bear toss. Then they played the clip of Mitch Lambrew, HL Hall of Famer, my color commentator, say, I got to talk for a bit now because Zach's throwing teddy bears. <laughs> and this sports talk show, Yahoo, whoever he was, said, I don't think Bob Miller from the LA Kings would have been doing that. But you know what? That's the joy of minor league sports. <laughs> if you can't give back to the, the community that you love, that I'm a member of, that I live in, like, well, what's even the point? It was far more than just the game. And it was just a big bonus that we won the game, too, and set the world record. What do you think uh, – we we've told our listeners countless times that the, the experience of, of coming to see a game in Hershey uh, is one of the best, at least in the Eastern Conference, probably in the AHL, just because of uh, the, the, the commitment of your fans to the sport and to their team. Um, so do you think – this growing enormous number of teddy bears, does it come from the love of the Hershey community wanting to give back more and more, or are they trying to top themselves every year? Or is it a little bit of both? (laughs) I think it's a friendly competition now and it starts with themselves. We set the bar and they want to go higher and higher. First, they wanted to get 30 K, which would have been a world record, then 40 this year. And now I'm sure it's going to be 50 next year. I mean, there's only, (laughs) there's only going to have to go up from there. But I think what's special about it is it unifies this community. Um, There's been some particular individuals. We have a gentleman by the name of Brock Kirchner, his daughter, Gabby, they worked their school, and it was a couple thousand bears at first that they brought, which is unbelievable. And they brought 10,000 bears before we even started the teddy bear toss this year. They start collecting literally the day after the teddy bear toss starts. You know, All their classmates wow. bring them in, and by the end of the year, it's just this ridiculous number in the best way possible. So we're lucky to have people like that. Um, it just I think social media has played a big part on it. We see what the Calgary Hitmen did. And you see all mm-hmm. of them go, oh, why couldn't we do that? Uh, our fans are competitive. It's the reason we've won 11 championships and our fans just absolutely crave for more. They want to be the best. They don't want anyone taking that title away from Hershey being the elite team, the class team in the AHL. If that goes from most important way to our organization wins on the ice and right there with that, winning in the community and being a part of Central Pennsylvania. So it's definitely a friendly competition now, and we want to be the kings of the teddy bear toss, and our fans want the best. and their commitment shows and it is really something that's special to be part of and your players seem to adore getting to jump into gigantic piles of stuffies on the ice they do it's it's really fun to see i mean the guys stay all everyone stays out there and helps clean up and gets to jump in the bears you know the opposing team see you later the second the puck goes in the net they're headed down the tallway to take a break for half an hour while we get this thing cleaned up. But our guys stand in there. They scoop bears into bags. I mean, they, they get it. That's That shows where it's bigger than the game. 
um, you know, it's it's something where especially the younger guys really love it. Some of them have been here a few years and maybe aren't going to be the first ones jumping in a pile, but even Liam O'Brien, he's been here six seasons now, um, you know, not an older guy, he's still very young, but a veteran on the team, I guess you could say, he's out there right in the mix, and it's just, it shows what this community means, and it shows how much the players know that this is a, a wonderful event. They have a they have a fun bantering session in the locker room. They all want to be that guy that gets the hoopla to score oh. in the goal. This year, this year uh, it was Christian Juice just coming right back down from Washington. You know, I think maybe a little disappointing for him to be sent back down from Washington, but hopefully a big confidence booster for him to score that goal and, and all the, the fun because of the goal he scored. Well, speaking of so, players, Rick, I, I, sorry, I was yeah, just going to say, I, I, know, I know there's uh, another player that you wanted to talk about in terms of this game. Yeah, if, if we're moving the conversation to players, um, and you mentioned the friendly competition with the Calgary Hitmen, there's a Calgary-born player that um, I think I'd like to, to talk about. And last time you were here, uh, we did a bit of a review of uh, the draft. Um, and one of the more interesting players in that draft uh, was Brett Leeson. And, and um, I, I think interesting in the sense that scouts were kind of divided on him. He had been uh, uh, passed, the, the draft had passed him by for two straight years. And there was kind of talk about, is this guy going to go first, uh, first round, second round, where was he going to go? And the Capitals picked him up with their, their second pick, uh, 56th overall. And, and just a guy that, that, um, um, you know, it was, had size, a good shot. And, 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 but it, the question was, uh, was he successful in Prince Albert because he was an overager or was he just kind of a late bloomer? And, and it, the, there was an opportunity to get an answer right away because it's not typical that, um, a player gets drafted in June and then steps into an a- AHL lineup in the fall. But we have that here as Brett, uh, uh, joined the, the, the Hershey Bears um, and and uh, had a bit of news uh, about uh, Brett this week. Yeah, great to see him score the game-winning goal that night on the Teddy Bear Toss. It was a three-point game for him, too. So he came into the game with just two assists, and this was game number 20 for him on the season. He's been healthy scratch a couple times, and I don't want people to get alarmed. Look, he's a second-round pick, and you're always hoping you find this late-blooming diamond in the rough that's going to be on the fast track for the National Hockey League and tear it up. It's going to take Brett Leeson some time to find his game at this level, but Sunday was a big-time step in the right direction for him. I thought he did the little things well, putting pucks on net, driving the net for rebounds. He's a big guy at 6'4", 200 pounds. He's got to find a way to continue to use that frame uh, to his advantage. You know, They said this summer that the biggest thing for him was going to be to build his body up to the point where he was stronger as he's now playing against bigger, stronger men rather than 16-, 17-year-old kids in the WHL as an overager. And that certainly has been a sticking point for him to try to continue to work on. But it's going to be a slow process with him. I don't expect him to score 25 or 30 goals. He's 20 games in and has five points so far this season with three of them coming on Sunday night. He's gotten opportunities on the power play. Just He scored a goal in overtime, three-on-three. Three. So he's going to get his chances, but they're going to be slow and patient with him and try to get some of the finer points of his game. Because as we know, the natural toolbox is there to have some offense in his arsenal and have those offensive instincts. But it's definitely a big step up to the next level. And the Bears have seen several guys that have just lit up the WHL where the Capitals love to draft pick and choose their players from. 
They've loved the WHL stat-wise and come in and found out how hard it is to play in professional hockey. You look at Connor Hobbs on the back end, the offensive numbers he put up that were record-setting in Regina have not translated over to the professional game. doesn't mean that he couldn't be a very good pro player. He's just got to find other ways to contribute. So Brett Leeson has that natural offensive ability. We're going to need to see a little bit more of it, but he's got to work on his completely well-rounded game right now. But it was good to see it come out for him. And the Bears need more of that. I compare him to Garrett Piedlon last year, different situation where he wasn't just drafted, but just had finished up his final year of juniors and came in. And it took Garrett Piedlon until early December, I think it was almost 25 games, to score his first goal. He had racked up a ton of assists and had been in the mix and had some great chances. Finished the year with 10 goals and 33 points. And now hopefully he's going to have a real good sophomore season for the Bears and find his way to be a Caps prospect that could be in the mix in the next couple seasons. So Leeson hopefully be on a similar track. Hopefully now that he's got a few points under his belt, that's just going to get him going confidence-wise. But there has been a big learning curve. I think that internally there's not a surprise that there's been a learning curve, maybe a little bit more than had hoped of slotting him in on being possibly a top six guy. He's got a ways to go to be a, a regular top six guy here uh, for sure. But this is a big step in the right direction that hopefully will get that confidence for him and he doesn't have to worry about that monkey on his back anymore. So um, what the scouts loved about him, of course, is his size at 6'4", the way he protected the puck. He's, they talked about you know, an NHL caliber wrist shot. But the question marks uh, seem to center around his his skating. Um, and of course, that would be tested at as he uh, goes up to the next level. Is is that something that uh, is talked about? Is that something that he's committed to working on? Yeah, it continues to fine tune that, and I just think it's being, you know, in within the play and being present in that play and in the right spots and getting to the position he needs to get to quick enough. Um, you know, his footwork continues to be worked upon something that he can continue to grow and improve and you know still looking to see that um, you know the the NHL wrist shot we're still looking to see a little bit more of that out of him he's got it we've seen glimpses of it in practice seen glimpses of it in the game they've just been denied or he had a breakaway that he got stuffed on a, a week or so ago so the chances haven't necessarily been been minimal they're starting to find more of them but you know I think the skating is a part of his game that he continue, needs to continue to grow and develop uh, don't get me wrong I don't think it's uh, the weakest point right now I think it's just getting stronger right now for him and just figuring out his role and where to be in the play and how to use his body to its advantage when you're playing against I mean there's so many guys in the league this year because the salary cap that are are NHL caliber players and NHL caliber goalies I mean the Bears play against Wilkesbury and Casey DeSmith 12 times a year and he's too good to be at this level but you're going to have to find a way to score on him if you want to play in the NHL for the Washington Capitals. So real good measuring stick coming up for him. But I do think uh, I agree with you. That's a point of his game that he has to continue to work on. Well, Zach, it, uh, congratulations to, to you and the entire organization on a, a pretty remarkable game. You know, as you say, first pro goal for that young man, coupled with it being Teddy Bear Toss night, uh, just a, a pretty special, special game for all of you and uh, congratulations on on all of the success well thank you so much appreciate you having me on hopefully the bears going to get going here in december but always appreciate talking hockey and it's been amazing seeing it go viral all over the world and you know 40 local charities and thousands and thousands of kids will be benefited and that's what the holidays are all about and happy holidays to all of you and looking forward to a great second half of the year 
Fantastic. We thank you for joining us today. That's Zach Fish, the broadcaster Thanks for the Hershey Bears. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he's a great follow. Follow him at Zach Fish. That's Z-A-C-K-F-I-S-C-H. And uh, if you want to catch the Hershey Bears in action, actually, Zach, I believe the AHL announced today that your game on Friday against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, your rival right down the right down the highway there, is the AHL Game of the Week uh, on Facebook. So, Tune in, check out the Hershey Bears, and uh, Zach Fish on the call. Always great to talk to Zach Fish from the Hershey Bears. Uh, won't be uh, it's the second time he's been on the podcast. Won't be the last. We'll have him on again soon. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Zach. But right now what we're going to do is take one last quick break, and on the other side we'll give you a preview of where you can find the Rocket Sports team for our coverage this week. So don't go anywhere. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my fabulous co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget to uh, find us on Twitter at the AHL Report and uh, bring us your questions, your comments, your feedback. Join the conversation all week long as hockey news happens, as it's, as it's happening. Um, we'd always love to hear from you. And Rick, this week, uh, we've got plenty more coverage coming. Um, Laval has three games this week. They are home uh, tomorrow, Wednesday night, uh, hosting the Cleveland Monsters. Uh, Charlie Lindgren will be in net for uh, for that game. As you mentioned earlier in the first segment, Joel Bouchard has said that he is sticking with his alternating uh, goaltending um tandem and so Lindgren was already slated to to play tomorrow night so he remains in net against Cleveland and then it's weird I don't know the AHL schedule has them doing the exact same Friday Saturday uh that they did last week so once again on Friday they will be in Syracuse and once again on Saturday they will be in Springfield uh, happy to say that we will be in Syracuse covering that game live. So we will, uh, you'll want to be sure to, to keep it locked on the AHL report for uh, our live coverage from Syracuse, including post-game interviews with uh, some of the players and coach Bouchard. Um, and then, uh, and we should note that if, if all of that stays as Bouchard mentioned today, then that would mean Keith Kincaid will be in the crease for Laval that night uh, as well. Um, and then on Saturday, they head to Springfield to take on the Thunderbirds once again um, before they come home on another, from another road trip. So uh, Rick, it should be, <laughs> I think it's safe to say this might be an interesting week. It'll be a busy week. It'll be a busy week uh, for, all of our podcasts and focused um, on, on all levels of hockey. Uh, but as you said, particularly for um, the AHL report crew and, uh, and we'll have lots to talk about next week on from the press box. Absolutely. So thanks so much for joining us uh, today. Uh, we're always glad to have you here. Don't forget to find us on social media, follow us, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. 
find us on all of those channels and we will meet you right back here next week to break down everything that's happened uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, Philadelphia Flyers prospects throughout the course of this week. We'll see you back here next Tuesday for another great episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. <laughs>